Thanks. Yes, final lesson in the Gospel of Luke. It is confusing considering Sunday was the last lesson in the Gospel of Mark. So, a lot of conclusions being drawn here uh, this past week. But uh, I am so thankful. Um, I feel, it, it feels odd coming up at, at this point because I just feel spiritually very full after having... Uh, sung some amazing songs together, some of the most uh, gospel-rich songs that we can possibly sing. Uh, huge thank you to uh, the Rooted Band, who has worked so hard this whole year. I mean, it's easy to just you know thank them for tonight, but really they've been putting in uh, hours of work this whole year. Um, think about camp and all the things. So just a uh, huge commendation to uh, that team and then again, a huge thank you to, to Greta and Bella and AJ for just being uh, just so powerful in those stories. Uh, this whole year we've talked about what it is to encounter Jesus. Uh, we've looked at people who have come to Jesus wanting and needing. We've seen Jesus drawing into the lives of people who didn't even know that they needed him. And so every salvation story is an encounter story. It is a story of how Jesus transforms lives. And so tonight, uh, we draw this whole series to a close, looking at one final encounter. And it's not uh, really the people maybe that you would expect. We've seen a lot of people who are outsiders. We've seen a lot of people who uh, are in need of cleansing, of forgiveness, who are uh, lost and wandering. And in some ways, we could still say that that's true of these folks, but these folks at the center of the story are the very people who have followed Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, his disciples. Those who uh, should have been the ones to believe in him, uh, to be quick to run uh, and trust in him. And yet we see so often stumbling. Really a great picture for us of what the Christian life often looks like. But I think as we look at this final encounter tonight, I think it provides an awesome template for us for how we should be motivated and encouraged and built up in our faith, especially as we draw this year to a close. And so uh, hopefully you have your study guides. If you don't, no worries. If you have a Bible or you have a device that you want to follow along with, we are in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, which is the very final chapter of Luke's gospel. Uh, the, the verses we're going through, verses 36 to 49, uh, not quite to the very end of Luke, but very, very close, right to the precipice of the ending when uh, Luke draws this to a close. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you, I know you're kind of been up and down a little bit, but go ahead and stand again, and we're going to read from this passage. And in the last 12 minutes or so we have, I'm not going to take long tonight, just want to give you some really practical uh, takeaways from this passage. So starting verse 36 here, Luke writes, As they were talking about these things, the people here referring to the disciples, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that 
It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You can have a seat. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to really step into the shoes of the disciples. I really want you to envision yourself where they are and think about the things that Jesus is saying, the things that Jesus is doing. I want you to see how this encounter that he brings them at a time when they are very uh, desperate and needy uh, provide so much hope to us. Because you think about it, this is, this is actually a really good lesson for us timing-wise because this is taking place in the days after his resurrection. We just celebrated uh, about 10 days ago the uh, Resurrection Sunday. And so this is very timely according to the, the story and everything of Jesus has already risen from the dead and yet the majority of the disciples have not seen Jesus. They've heard stories of his rising, but for a lot of them there's still a level of doubt and skepticism. And as you think about it, this is the guy they followed for three and a half years. In many ways their, their faith is wavering. They, when Jesus was taken away and when he was crucified... They thought that was the end of the story. The, the guy that they had put their hope in for all these years, that they had left their families, their lives, everything behind for, it was over. And so they're still in this very fragile state. And isn't it just like Jesus so often sh to show up when we're at a very vulnerable and fragile state? And so what I want you to look at and see from this story tonight are just four different things. I want you to look at uh, what happens when Jesus encounters you personally. When Jesus encounters you personally, he provides four things. I think we see that for the disciples in this text. And the first thing is this. Number one, when Jesus encounters you personally, he gives you peace through his presence. He gives you peace through his presence. It's amazing that this Scene is taking place in this uh, this room where the disciples have been huddled together. They're they're hiding. Uh, they're they're trying to process everything they've been going through. And just as Jesus just boom, he appears. I mean, can you, can you imagine how freaky that is? It, it says later here that they thought they were seeing a spirit. Is this a ghost? Is this an illusion? Right? But Jesus bodily just shows up, boom, right in the midst of these people. And what is probably the normal reaction when all of a sudden, when all of a sudden somebody just shows up, like maybe sneaks up behind you? <laughs> it's startled, right? It's some of you, you know, especially even you manly guys around here might even let out a shriek that 
you know, test that manliness a little bit, right? And it's in the midst of that anxiety and that fear and what just happened that Jesus has the nerve to say, peace to you. It's almost ironic and, and humorous that the very first thing Jesus says in the midst of a time when I'm sure any of them feel anything but peace is peace. But I love that this charge to peace for them comes in the context of the verse where it says Jesus stood among them. Jesus stood among them. You see, Jesus' presence among his disciples is what brings peace. We think about our personal relationship with Jesus really is described as one of peace because the gospel says when you put your faith in Jesus, when you are united to Jesus by faith, Romans 5.1 tells us that for those who are justified by faith, we are now at peace with God to where that means that everything is in its proper and its right place. But that only comes from Jesus and his presence among us. The good news for us, and as we're going to see later on in the story without trying to spoil everything, the good news we know for us as Christians is that when we put our faith in Jesus, what does he give us that is with us at all times? His spirit. In other words, his presence abides constantly with those who are united to him by faith. And the first thing that Jesus provides with you personally when you encounter him is peace through his presence. But secondly, he also provides confidence through his resurrection. Confidence through his resurrection. That's really what the rest of this opening paragraph here, verses 37 to 43, uh, talk about, right? They're, they're startled. They're frightened. They thought they're, they were seeing a ghost. And notice how many times here Jesus caused, calls for them to see with the eyes of faith. Verse 38, he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts, right? So many of us. Then, then there's a struggle when it comes to Jesus. And we, many of us could, could relate to that question. Why, why am I so troubled? Why, why am I doubting? Notice what Jesus says here. See my hands and my feet. Later on, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. In other words, he, he calls for them to, to look at him, to see him in his resurrected form. You see, this is the hope of the resurrection soon. Uh, I know we just came out again off of Easter and Resurrection Sunday, but I never want you to move past the glory of the resurrection, what that means for your life. The fact that you have a risen and living Savior is a game changer. It's a game changer. If Jesus is still dead... We have no reason to be here tonight. In fact, I would say it would be my responsibility to say you all should go home. Or we should tear this all down. We should just get basketball, everything out going. We have no reason to, to, to do this. If Jesus is still dead. But Jesus calls for us to see with the eyes of faith. To see that his resurrection indeed is true. And it makes all the difference. 
And it made all the difference for his disciples, even though they're still skeptical. I love, he points to his hands, his feet. He, he shows them the sign. And, and it says that they, you can see there's almost a wrestling, right? It says in verse 41, while they still disbelieve for joy and were marveling, you can see that they're wrestling with this. So Jesus does something I, I love. This might be one of the strangest requests and strangest verses in all of the New Testament. And I love it. He says to them, hey, y'all got, you got anything to eat? Homeboy's, homeboy's a little hungry here. You guys got anything to eat around here? I'm like, seriously, Jesus? Still got an appetite? It's like, well, yeah, we got some broiled fish here. And the simplicity of the end of the sentence, verse 43, and he took it and he ate it before them. They're all just sitting there and they're watching him eat. You're like, I don't get it. But Pastor Scott, why are you, why are you nerding out on this verse? I'm nerding out because what he's trying to show them is this is not some illusion. This is not just some spirit that is before them. He is physically alive. He is there before them. In fact, do you remember that this is the very same command that he gives at the end of the story when he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead? Says, hey, get her something to eat. Okay, get her some food. She's hungry. Have no reason to doubt. It gives us confidence and assurance. And student, when you know that Jesus is alive, that his resurrection power is true, then you know that that promise is true for you as well. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that it gives us hope, it gives us encouragement, and it calls for us to be able to live steadfastly in a world where we're tempted to give up and wonder, is this really worth it? Is really standing up for Jesus worth it? Being made fun of because of my faith, standing out in ways that make me feel uncomfortable, is it worth it? And here's here to remind you tonight, absolutely, without a doubt, yes. You see, when Jesus encounters you personally, he gives you peace through his presence, confidence through his resurrection, and thirdly, understanding through his words. Look at verses 44 to 47 again. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He points them back to the scriptures. The thing is, apart from divine intervention, our ability to see the scriptures clearly it's vain. It's empty. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 says that apart from God working in our lives, those things are just going to sound foolishness to us. But when Christ shows us his words and when he opens our hearts and our minds, that's when it clicks. And I love it. Even just looking at this this week, this was kind of a, a revolutionary thing, kind of looking at this, this sentence here, verse 45. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You know what's really fascinating is this point forward, the disciples, especially Peter, James, and John, you see in the book of Acts, all of a sudden they are like scripture quoting machines. It's amazing. You look at the early chapters of the book of Acts, they can't stop blurting out all these scriptures that point back to Jesus. They didn't do that before. In fact, Jesus talks about all these things, about how the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. How many times did he tell them that in, their, in the ministry with them over the years? And they were all just like, don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and they'd be like, so how about those seats in heaven? How, how about our position? It's like, over their head. 
This very moment, he opens their minds to understand it, and it clicks. Soon, when Jesus encounters you personally, he opens your heart and your mind to see clearly in ways that before just was not there. To understand his words, to see his words in a new light, that that would bring you hope and encouragement. But I love the ending of this. We need to wrap this up. I love this final gift that Jesus provides when he encounters you personally. Not only does he give you peace through his presence, not only does he give you confidence through his resurrection or understanding through his words, but finally, he gives you power through his spirit. He gives you power through his spirit, verses 47 to 49. He talks about here in verses 47, verse 47 that Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That sounds like a tall order. It sounds like a huge task for a bunch of fishermen, former tax collectors, mercenaries, you name it. Seems like a big call. How in the world are they going to do this? Especially now that Jesus is getting ready to leave again. How do any of us do that? Verse 49, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And if you were with us last year and rooted, you know that that power and that promise that he is talking about is what? His Spirit. Holy Spirit. He says, in fact, it is better that I leave so that the Spirit can come. And the Spirit's going to be even better because the Spirit is going to live and dwell inside you at all times. He's going to recall remembrance of me, my words. It's going to give you boldness in ways that you never imagined possible. My Spirit is what is going to transform your life from this point forward. Talked about how the resurrection is a game changer, but boy, God's Holy Spirit that He gives you, student, when you believe the fact that he dwells within you at all times, that his presence is always with you, <laughs> there is nothing like that. That is power to an absolute another degree. Notice that that power is not for your benefit, but it's ultimately for the benefit of God's glory as you seek to proclaim him boldly for others. I know some of you are like, well, that's, that's a really scary task to, to proclaim Jesus to others to talk about what it looks like to encounter Jesus personally. You know, my mind goes back to Joshua 1.9, where Joshua is being told by the Lord before he leads the Israelites into the promised land to be strong and courageous, to do not fear, to do not be frightened or dismayed. And the reason that he has all confidence to be able to not be fearful or frightened to be strong and to courageous is because God says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Soon the promise that you have with the Holy Spirit, the game-changing promise of the Holy Spirit is that God's presence is with you wherever you go. And God now calls for you to, by faith, lean into that. And allow that to empower you so that you can then tell others about this amazing Jesus that we've talked about this whole year. 
I've heard a couple people already do that here tonight, but the question is, what about you? Is that something that you are willing to do? Is that something that you are ready to do? I pray that it is. I'm going to pray for you now and invite the band to come back up as they lead us in some closing music as we close out our night together. So, Father, thank you for uh, the great blessing of your word. Thank you for the way that it has been so powerful for us this year. Just pray now as we close out uh, another great year, uh, that as we sing these songs, you would draw our hearts into these lyrics to be reminded of how amazing you are and how your gospel transforms lives by the amazing encounters of Jesus. So to you, we give praise and glory tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and stand.